Hello, I'm Victoria. And I'm Johnny. Welcome to Tasty Pages. A podcast for people who love cookbooks, food, and cooking. Each week, we'll discuss a featured cookbook from our popular Cooking the Books Instagram page. We'll also discuss the dishes that we made and rank the book in a variety of categories. Including food photography and styling, degree of difficulty, and of course, taste. The conversation is always unscripted, unedited, and uncensored. Spoiler alert, Victoria likes to swear. (laughs) All of this takes place in our living room in the heart of Minneapolis. Oh yeah, we also have a featured show topic with contributions from our listeners, and we end each episode with a lame food-related joke. Usually very lame. Hey now. (laughs) Join Join us for for Tasty Tasty Pages. Twin Cities friends, join us at Cooks of Crocus Hill, St. Paul location on November 28th for gluten-free fall flavors. It's that cozy time of year when cravings are calling to roasted vegetables and fall spices, to name a few. Join us for the fall flavor tour and explore why these eternal flavors are so wonderful. What's on the menu for that day, Victoria? There will be a grilled salmon with a miso tahini sauce, roasted spiced carrots with feta and sesame, and fall vegetable soup. That sounds delicious. How can people register if they'd like to join us? All they have to do is go to cooksofcrocushill.com and click on cooking classes. Again, this class takes place on Monday, November 28th. I think you'll be hungry after Thanksgiving by that time. Indeed. And it'll be from 6 to 8.30 p.m. We'd love to see you there. This week's featured cookbook is... Canale Vanille by Aran Goyoga. Hi, Johnny. Victoria, by the time this episode airs, it's likely that we'll be billionaires. Sure. The the Powerball jackpot is uh, the... The drawing is tonight. You know, it's highly probable. And and I could get hit by a bus the, and then ran over by a train, I think too. I saw the chances of winning are like one in like 300 million yeah. or something. So I, I like those odds. Yeah. So it, it, in the event that happens, this episode probably won't be published because like, <laughs> why would I bother? <laughs> we're, we're on a jet to uh, Ibiza. Sure. Or something. Okay. Yeah. How soon do you think they can get us that money in our account <laughs> so we can like book the flights and stuff? We'll have to check all this out. Anyway, welcome to episode 86 of Tasty Pages, a podcast from Cooking the Books. Uh, if you go to our website, which is wecookbooks.com, you click on that store tab. That will direct you to our Amazon.com affiliate page. And uh, we've got some lists there. Kitchen Essentials for Home Cooks, some cookbooks that we like. Food photography and styling equipment, if that's your game. Uh, Fun food finds. If you make a purchase from any of those lists, we'll get a little something in return. Won't cost you anything more. It's the best, most immediate way that you can support the fine work that we're doing. I'm gesturing with my hands, which people can't see through the podcast machine. Don't don't knock over your drink. I know. (laughs) Perfect segue. (laughs) What are we drinking? Uh, the good old chestnut, the espresso martini. And I feel like for the longest time we were on the margarita kick. Yep. And then the last few episodes that people have been listening in, it's been all about the espresso martini, which is, you know, kind of the trending drink at the moment. Which is funny because it was like so popular in the 90s. Yep. 
Everything old is new again. Uh, indeed. Um, Just go look at the store. It's filled with stuff that I uh, would have wore in, like in high school and in college. 90s. Peak 90s. And now I look at it and I'm like, ooh, like crushed velvet bodycon dresses. Were you listening to Jimmy Eat World? No. And Smash Mouth? No. That was like <laughs> 2000s. What? That, yes. Am I, is my t- music timeline messed up? It is. Oh. Well, it would have had to have been like Smashing Pumpkins. And yes. Nirvana. Mm-hmm. And Hole. Mm-hmm. Liz Screaming Fair. Trees. Ooh, there you go. I did want to mention uh, in some food news, I, I need to come up with a little theme song for this too. Like, yeah, exactly. You can do that while I <laughs> Dateline. Tasting table. Headline. A $200,000 Michelin-starred wine cellar heist was unusually specific. So this took place in Spain. Madrid, the restaurant is uh, Cook du Madrid. If if my uh, eighth grade Spanish is uh, helping me out, but uh, they have a, an impressive wine cellar that goes back uh, into the family several generations, and. Thieves made off with $190,000 worth of You know what? Wine. I read about that. Yeah, of course you did. <laughs> it was big news. 132 bottles of the 25,000 total in their collection, which means that um, they knew what they were grabbing, possibly an inside job. I was going to say. Investigation still underway. I would look at the sommelier. Yep. Well, that's one of the that's one of the brothers. There's a trio of brothers oh. that owns the restaurant, okay. and one is the chef, one is front of house, the other one is the wine director. But why? Yeah, but why would you steal from your own? I, I suppose people. Oh, I'm own, not accusing the, no, no, no. the wine director of stealing. You're doing that. No. <laughs> <laughs> it just doesn't make sense. Like, I mean, if you, you want to do some internet sleuthing, like uh, people are known to do these days, maybe you know, call Madrid, call the authorities there, <laughs> offer your opinion. On, this is what I think happened. <laughs> you know how many bottles of three, uh, two buck Chuck that. Uh, hundred ninety thousand dollars would get you. Well, considering that it's like three ninety nine now. No, it's two ninety nine. I checked. Is it? Yep, sixty three thousand five hundred and forty five bottles. So, would you rather have? <laughs> would you rather have sixty three thousand five hundred forty five bottles of two buck chuck or a hundred and thirty two bottles of? I'll take the this, latter. Okay, this premium. Set. Well, that would be like an impressive. Way to start off your your wine cellar. Oh, well, yeah. Right? Uh, Thieves gained entry via a shuttered pharmacy next door that uh, it was on a night when the restaurant was going to be closed the following day. So further uh, pointing in the direction of it being kind of an inside job. But this was a a two-star Michelin restaurant. Hmm. I think we just need to inquire with Pierce Brosnan or Guy Pierce. They'd probably know. If they didn't do it themselves, they'd probably know who in the black market wine world pulled Wait, off the Wait, why, why are you... Pierce Brosnan. He's in all those heist films. Oh, yeah. What was the what was the remake that in it had Rene Russo in it? Uh, I was going to say Talented Mr. Brosnan. <laughs> <laughs> Nowhere near. <laughs> Wasn't it someone's name, though? Um, I don't remember. Uh, the listeners will tell us. Renee Russo was sexy as hell in that movie. Yeah, she was. 
Pierce isn't so bad himself. Yeah. It's it's always good looking people pulling off heists. <laughs> as if they have nothing better to do. <laughs> what else did I want to mention? Oh, um, you know, Thanksgiving is coming up. Yes. And uh the the internet is abuzz with uh, the possibility of there being a turkey shortage. Oh, that's too bad. Yep. <laughs> Your favorite. And uh in October a report issued by the USDA warned that turkey production was down due to outbreaks of highly pathogenic avian influenza, or as it's better known and rolls off the tongue, HPAI. That sounds like a right? that sounds like a sexually <laughs> transmitted disease. It is if if you fuck turkeys. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, but turkey prices are up 28% over last year, and um, experts are suggesting trying an alternative this year. I, I'm not an expert, and I'm suggesting <laughs> trying an alternative. I would suggest trying an alternative every year. Yep, fuck turkey. Fuck. No, wait, don't fuck turkey, because that's how you get HPAI. Um, is, there, is there a shot for that but they're, for humans? They're suggesting uh, venison which was part of the original Thanksgiving, along with smallpox-infected blankets. Okay, unless you're going to... Right. (laughs) Unless you're going to go kill your own deer, um, venison is way more expensive than turkey. But it's also way more delicious. Uh, Whole roasted duck. Yes. be another option. Co-sign that one. Roast pheasant. I never roasted a pheasant. I've never had a pheasant. I remember there was one year when we were going to get a goose for Christmas, and... Yeah, I was down by the pond with a BB gun. <laughs> those things are mean. They charged at me, and I gave up all hope of shooting one of them. Anyway, <laughs> we went to the store, and it was like 80 bucks. For a goose. And we're like, they oh. they just got behind the dumpster of the <laughs> store. <laughs> the geese are always the ones that hang out at those, uh, you know, those townhome development you know neighborhoods where they they've got this manufactured pond as the centerpiece of their of their little community and then the 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 geese down there so i mean you could you could really clean up if you could if you could convince people to start eating goose instead of turkey for thanksgiving i remember one year my mom tried to roast a goose and it didn't go very well what a surprise (laughs) parents trying to be like exotic and you know try something new and then never again uh don't want to cook cracker barrel (laughs) boston market denny's and popeyes are all offering special thanksgiving day meals so honestly if i could i'd be down with popeyes (laughs) (laughs) we could have popeyes any day of the year We don't need to celebrate Thanksgiving. I can't have Popeyes. I cannot have Popeyes any day of the year. The only way that you end up at Popeyes on a Thanksgiving is through a series of bad decisions. Fuck no. You're doing a bang bang. (laughs) Okay. I I ate some... uh... When the goose doesn't turn out, (laughs) then you go to Popeyes. (laughs) That's what it is. All right. uh, What are we finishing up as far as cookbooks go? We are finishing up the Betty Crocker cookbook. It just got reissued. I think it's the 13th edition yes. of the the venerable book. I got to tell you guys, don't sleep on the Betty Crocker cookbook. 
because it it shares the same great. space with you know the other classics like Joy of Cooking mm-hmm. and like even the New York Times cookbook mm-hmm. where it's it's kind of easy to dismiss it because it's kind of ubiquitous in everyone's kitchen. It's it's no joke. It's well researched. It's like packed full of information. I tell you what, like this this thing resembled like um. It, it was like a textbook. It was like a. It, it could be used as a textbook for, uh, you know, culinary students or yeah. something. There is There's so no much information. And it, you know, and truth be told, if I had to have like a desert island cookbook, ooh, that'd be a good question. I think we might have an- asked that one time. I'll have to go back in the archives. But really, are you going to be doing any cooking on a desert island? Well, <laughs> there is that. I just hope they have geese on that island. <laughs> what are we working on next? Do we decide? No. I was kind of had my eye on uh, First Generation by Frankie Ga, but you got to look through that. I still have to look through it. You got veto power. Of course I do. (laughs) But that does lead us into what's for dinner tonight? We are having Bronco stew. Um, Would you like to tell the class what Bronco stew is? Yes. Okay, well, normally this is something, it's kind of loosely based off a Texas brisket chili, and it's kind of gone through some permutations over the years as I've made it, because we used to do it with smoked pork butt. I guess this is kind of a a family heirloom recipe, if you just count you and I as a family, (laughs) and it it goes back about maybe 15 years. But it's, it's, it's all we got, really. Right. If we had to put together a little book of family recipes, this would probably be one of the one of the handful. Um, let's see. It started out with smoked pork butt because we would always use the leftovers for that. You're pushing up your glasses yep. on the microphone, you weirdo. <laughs> Just use your hands like normal people. Then I get fingerprints on my glasses. <laughs> I learned that lesson. Okay, God, we're getting so sidetracked. Oh, and it's like a, just a mixture of a bunch of dried chilies, some canned green chilies, uh, tomato, some butternut squash, and you just cook Onion. it nice and low and slow in the oven. Yes, and this time I actually used chicken thighs, mm-hmm. and it made a ton. So we are we froze some. Round two. <laughs> we froze some, and we are going to have have some for dinner tonight. Lovingly named Re- after our our. Uh, oh, that's right. Previously owned 1974 Ford Bronco. Wasn't it a 75? I think it was a... I'm, oh, yeah, you're right. Because it's, it it's as old as I am. 75 Ford Bronco, which we no longer own because it's not a very practical car. <laughs> no, but I tell you, when our other car is a Prius, and when we lived in Chicago, the uh, you know, we'd get snow, tons of snow, and then the, the, you know, no plows ever go down the, go down the alleyways. It's nice to have that four-wheel drive. Yep. All right, should we talk about our show question? Sure. This was a good one. Um, what are your favorite food-related podcasts? We got uh, some some good answers and some ones that I'm not familiar with that I'm going to have to kind of dive into myself. So uh, you want to start with the first one? Sure. At Carla S. Walsh said, Recipe Club, Splendid Table, Andrew Talks to Chefs, and yours. Oh, thank you. That's what a, that was really the whole purpose of this question was just fish for uh, fish for compliments. <laughs> uh, at Kimo Howard said beyond the plate, splendid table, salt and spine, favorite of mine, 
And yours. Oh, oh stop. Stop. <laughs> Go on. Uh, uh, Linda Artlob said, besides yours. Oh. <laughs> I blush. Mm-hmm. Uh, Mark Bittman and Julia Tertian. I did not know Mark Bittman had a podcast. I'm not surprised. Mm-mm. I'm going to have to check it out. And then uh, at uh, Hedge Hedge Natalia said Gastropod, one called Your Last Meal, another vote for Splendid Table, and The Sporkful. And I think there was one more that came in at the last minute, right? Uh, I think I have it on your list, but not mine. Yeah. Uh, Courtney Lauber at Courtney Lauber said Spilled Milk. Which, We've listened to that. Yes. Uh, I believe we listened to it on a road trip from... The last time we visited Chicago yeah. on the way back. Good good, uh, good podcast. It's been around uh, for quite some time. They have a few hundred episodes. It's uh, writer, comedian Molly Weisenberg and her friend Matthew Amster Burton. And they just kind of pick a random food-related topic. And the topics really <laughs> are random because you'd be like, why are they talking about this? No surprise this that is- it appeals to us <laughs> and, and what we do here on this podcast. Like they'll, talk, uh, they'll, like they'll pick something like Velveeta cheese yeah. or American cheese and slices. And do like this exhaustive deep dive research, you know, almost like doing a, a, a research paper for class on it or something. Filled with lots of jokes too. Yes. But yeah, it, it's a good one. I, I need to go back and revisit that because I'm sure there's uh, several new episodes that I have not listened to yet. Mm-hmm. So what'd you have for yours? Wah, wah. Okay, <laughs> here's the thing. The only podcast that I've been listening to like for the past year. Uh, okay, well, prior to that, it was my favorite murder. Yep. But then they like just started, but then... They got really big, and the first half of their show was like shilling for all their other podcasts, and I was over it. Too many, too many, uh, too much uh, shameless self promotion. Huh? Yeah. Okay. And then, and then after that, I went to That's Messed Up, which was an SVU podcast where they recap old, <laughs> old episodes of SVU. So you know, we're still on the like true crime or yep. like, crime thing there. But lately, and I've mentioned this before. I've been listening to uh, Watch What Crappens because it's freaking hilarious. And I'll listen to it at the gym and I'll listen to it when I'm here alone. And I can always tell when you're listening to it at the gym because you're like over by yourself, like on a machine cackling away. (laughs) I look like a crazy lady. You kind of do. Oh, my God. I love you. (laughs) Um, And, and... Ben Mandelker, one of the co- one of the hosts, follows us and engages with us. Yes, yeah. And I'm just like, oh, like I fangirl over it. Shout out to Ben. And should also, I, and also, yeah. wait, hold on. Also, yeah. he has a, a Substack newsletter called oh, I don't remember what it's called, but if you look him up, and it's very good. So is you it should subscribe. Related or is yes, it, it's okay. food related. Okay. It's okay. Like there you go. Yeah. There we go. There we go. Yes. It back full circle. Yes. All right. Okay. So that's your answer. Final answer. Sure. Okay. <laughs> it's not a food <laughs> podcast, but you know they do um, talk about food. I, I have a few. I, I admittedly have not been listening to too much food media podcasts as of late. I've been really diving into uh, cocaine and rhinestones, which if you have not 
listen to, I highly recommend, especially if you're a fan of music, this focuses specifically on the history of American country music. Oh, Victoria's getting topless. I'm, I love it. I'm sweating like a goddamn butcher. I'm not complaining. <laughs> My boobs are covered, though, so. Do they need to be? <laughs> Probably not. <laughs> We're in the comfort and safety of our own home. You want to stare at my my titty meats this whole time? Kind of. Um, this is going to be really hard to focus now. Um, cocaine and rhinestone. So tangentially, it's based on like the history of country music, but it always begins with something seemingly off topic, but actually kind of related and so each episode, especially the second season, is like a few hours long. It's exhaustively researched. It's it's insane, like how deep he goes into talking about an artist like George Jones or you know whatever the the topic is. But uh, yeah, if you look at, if you like a good story, I, I, that's how I would preface it: is like great story. So if you like good storytelling, anyway. Cocaine and rhinestones. But getting back to the food <laughs> ones, boy, we really are going off on a tangent here. We mentioned spilled milk. I would add uh, Milk Street Radio. I always enjoy that with Christopher Kimball, and they always have guests on there, and they take uh, uh, listener phone calls and questions. One that I discovered pretty early on was uh, Salt and Spine, uh-huh. and that one is still around. And um, We were actually on that yeah, at we the were very on beginning. Yeah, we were on episode. And and so you know that's another good one specifically for cookbooks. If you if you enjoy that, there's another one called Cookery by the Book, hosted by Susie Chase, and she does interviews from her kitchen table to uh, for to cookbook authors. So that's that's a good one specifically if you're into cookbooks. I agree. I've listened to a couple of those episodes. There's a new kid on the block called Everything Cookbooks, and it's got. Uh, it's got kind of like a dream team of hosts. It's uh, Andrea Nguyen, Kate Leahy, Molly Stevens, and Kristen Donnelly. And it kind of takes you through the process of cookbooks from idea to publication. And so most of the episodes will focus on a specific topic. And they have guests on, so they'll interview someone that does uh, publishing. Or maybe they'll interview like a book agent that will walk you through the process of getting your book published. Um, but it's always really interesting, especially if you kind of want to know the, the behind the scenes, uh, info on, on how that's done. Um, I think that's all I got. There's, sure. there's no shortage of stuff. Uh, cherry bomb is another one that I've enjoyed listening to in the past. Good talk. <laughs> <laughs> should we, uh, should we dive into this book? Sure thing. Okay. So this book was not on our radar until one of our followers had recommended it. And this was like shortly after we had to switch our diet to gluten-free. And we were, I think we were kind of lamenting like how we were not finding any good like flatbread recipes or something. And one of our uh, awesome listeners had recommended this in in the DMs. And so I I picked it up. Um, It was released in 2019. There's also a companion baking book, called uh canelli vanel bake simple mm-hmm. um that one came out after right that's the most recent release i believe i think so yeah yeah but yeah so the the book is packed full of 100 recipes divided among seven chapters taking you through all the meals of the day with additional sections devoted to pantry staples baking and feeding a larger crowd or entertaining 
And then, uh, in addition, the author handled all the styling and photography duties herself. I believe that's how she got her start, was kind of a very popular blog. Yep, of the same name. Right. And so, I guess without further ado, take us through the list of what we made, and then we'll discuss in a little more detail. All right. Uh, We did a spicy chicken salad with apple, celery, and pickled vegetables. Uh, Slow roasted salmon with fennel, citrus, and harissa. Braised beef ragu with ta- tagliatelle. Hey! <laughs> yeah. uh, mashed berries in lillet. And buckwheat sweet yeast bread with dried apricots and walnuts. I think until recently I was pronouncing it lillet. And then I realized that it's pronounced lillet. I, I, oh, I still call it lillet. Yeah. Um, it's, but it's lillet. But, you know, what a surprise that we're mispronouncing an ingredient <laughs> or a word. Uh, should we talk about spicy chicken salad with apple, celery, and pickled vegetables? Yes. So this recipe says that you can, if you have leftover chicken, you can use that, or you can use a rotisserie, like get a rotisserie chicken. We took it one step further. We went and got some smoked chicken from one of the restaurants uh, on the ground floor called. Uh, Soul to Soul Smokehouse. Barbecue joint. Mm-hmm. We went and got a whole smoked chicken. <laughs> they thought I was crazy, too, because they were like, any sauce, any sides? I'm like, nope, just that smoked chicken. <laughs> <laughs> Had to explain to them, I got plans for this. Don't so, need none of your sauces. <laughs> Keep your sauces. Yep. Um, so the, the chicken meat gets tossed in some... You can do harissa or chili oil. And then you saute it till the edges are a little bit crispy. Um, and then it gets thinly sli- thinly sliced apple. It called for Granny Smith. I kind of wished it would have been Macintosh. Granny Smith is like my least favorite apple. Yes. And I love Macintosh because it's like a little sweet and a little tart. Kind of like you. <laughs> <laughs> and rotten to the and, core. And it should be noted that Victoria is still sitting here with her with her top off and kind of draped around her, her chest. And <laughs> like I'm sitting right across from her. See, we need to start like a, a, a live, Patreon. Uh, and, like, and then we can do the or, live stream like of only, the... Only fans. <laughs> live stream. And we in our like right now, I think when you look at our demographics for the podcast, it's about 75 percent female, 25 percent male. I think we could flip that. Absolutely. By just having you sit there and do the podcast topless. OK. And have the OnlyFans account. Let's get on I, it. I, I, yeah, I'm just brainstorming. Here. <laughs> if if by some weird stroke of luck, we do not win this billion dollar Powerball jackpot, which I'm pretty confident we're going to. Definitely. Um, this could be backup plan. Plan B. Just saying. All right. Just throwing that out there. Okay. Continue. <laughs> okay. So, oh yeah, I was complaining about apples. Um, <laughs> there is also some thinly sliced uh, celery. And then it also has a quick pickle of fennel and red onion. The it gets finished with some parsley, mint, tarragon, and topped with cashews, and then drizzled with a little bit of olive oil. It's a beautiful looking plate. It is. Like if, if your if your goal is to uh, you know wow people with with this salad, you could do a lot worse. Well, I mean, it doesn't necessarily have to be a beautiful looking plate. You can just like toss it all in there like a pile of garbage. Um, no, we <laughs> arrange those, uh, those lovingly sliced apples and celery. Oh, and 
we have to say we did add a little bit of romaine in this after we photographed it just to heft it up a little bit. Yeah, because it is admittedly kind of a light salad. So this would make a good lunch, perhaps light lunch mm-hmm. or uh, second dinner or first dinner <laughs> if you're planning on having something afterwards. Second Frozen dinner. pizza or something. <laughs> Some fries, loaded yeah. fries. <laughs> I'm eating healthy. I'm eating a salad. <laughs> of course, I'm eating a second dinner after that salad, but uh, <laughs> what are you going to do? All right. Uh, anything else on that? I don't think so. I think so. we covered it. Slow roasted salmon with fennel, citrus, and harissa. I think this was one of my favorite dishes from this mm-hmm. book. This was a good one. And, yes. And it came during a time when I felt like we were kind of leaning into the salmon quite a bit. And it seemed like every book that we were working from, we were like featuring a salmon dish. Yeah. And and this was one of the, the better ones that we discovered. Uh, let's see. So this is a pretty simple dish to make. The salmon gets coated with a garlic and harissa mixture. And it gets placed on top of the uh, fennel... It gets placed on top of some vegetables. Yeah. Talk. I'm like. <laughs> well, the, the one the one change we made is we, I think, weren't you supposed to remove the salmon and then allow the vegetables to kind of further caramelize in the pan? Yeah. And we had some concerns about doing that and then having to photograph it. Well, you're, I mean, you are supposed to like flake the salmon. You were supposed to flake the salmon and put it back on the veggies okay but we wanted to keep our salmon fillet intact did we have skin on no it was skin off okay i I actually we got a skin on fillet and i removed the skin gotcha so yeah the veggies were a little bit al dente that's Um, a a nice way to put it but but they i mean it would have i'm sure it would have been perfect had we followed followed to the t right um oh and this also had like some Lemon slices in it, which also, uh, by the way, the vegetables were fennel and onion. Um, And it had some thinly sliced lemon, which gets nice and toasty. Yeah. But it it was great. I I really enjoyed the flavors. I love how everything you're like, this was great. It's great. We're great. Should I come up with better words to describe it? I don't know. Fantastic. (laughs) Outstanding. There you go. It was tits. I'm going to buy you a thesaurus, sir. Yes. Yeah, but I think this was one of my favorite dishes from the from the book that we that we did, and and it was like one of the more simple ones too. Nice one pan one pan meal. So the next one we did, which was my absolute favorite, yes, and it was the gift that kept on giving. Yes, Uh, braised beef ragu with tagli telly, and so this was our first time making gluten free pasta. Success. It turned out beautifully. Yes. I was a little bit worried. To the point where I think you could actually serve this and not have to even mention that it was gluten-free. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, so we kept, a, we kept a, a, a little bit out to use fresh. And then, and then to save it, all you have to do is like leave it on a sheet tray in bundles and stick it in the freezer and then you can put it in a bag once yep. it's frozen. Which is what we which did. Which is what we did. And the ragu is a boneless beef chuck roast. It gets cooked about three hours in a bunch of wine. And we use the aforementioned two buck chuck. Yep. Because um, we had 63,000 bottles on hand. <laughs> 
it has uh, the ragu has onion, carrot, celery, garlic, some crushed tomatoes, and fresh herbs. The, uh, this was like so rich and delicious and beautiful. And I would say even if you're vegetarian, you could do like this really good like roasted mushroom ragu, and it would probably be really good with this as well. If you're looking for like a vegetarian alternative. You could or you could shred some king trumpet mushrooms Ooh, there you and go. braise those. Now you're talking. But yeah, I know we had leftover of the ragu. We had the leftover pasta. So it, it really was, the, you know, this it was a little bit of work, obviously, with making it from scratch. But it, it's not like you only got one meal out of the recipe. So did I say that it was that it takes like three hours? Yes. Okay. And that was from the one of the recipes from the gathering, right? Uh, gathering right, the entertaining, and then yes. this was actually the base of the recipe for our gluten-free pasta class that we were supposed to cook at uh, Cooks of Crocus Hill. Mm-hmm. Correct. That was the one that we kind of based the the recipe on. So. Yeah. So happy to have found that. Yes. And um, I didn't find it any more difficult to work with necessarily Mm-mm. than, uh, you know, your regular egg-based glutinous <laughs> pasta <laughs> recipe. Um, should we move on to the mashed berries in Lillet? Yes. Uh, for I'll those, let you talk about this because you made this. For those of you who don't know, Lillet is an aperitif that's, it's, uh, it's an aperitif wine that's made from Bordeaux grapes. And mass in other macerated fruit liqueurs. You said macerated, right? <laughs> yes. Okay. We're we're keeping this PG rated. Oh, are we, Miss Topless? <laughs> <laughs> Noted. Um, free the nipple. Um, <laughs> uh, so we always have a bottle of Lay on hand because I like to use it in place of dry vermouth Ooh, yeah. for, for little, martinis. Little drink recipe coming up for you. Yeah, like just... Get a, get a pencil and paper. Basically sub dry vermouth for Lillet and and uh, use, a a li- use a little orange twist. There you go. Yeah. Although lately I've been enjoying martinis. I'm sure there's a name for it. Martinis made with a little bit of maraschino liquor. Ooh, that might have to be the next cocktail. Okay. Make All right. A, make a note. <laughs> I'll, I'll, I'll put that in my ro- mental Rolodex. Yep. Um, okay, so this had strawberries, raspberries, and basil that get muddled. You don't want to like turn it into a complete mushy paste. Easy on the muddling. Don't get too aggressive with it. <laughs> and then you combine it with Lillet and lemon juice, and you let that sit in the fridge for a few hours, and then... Boom. You've got a nice, easy sipper. Summer in a glass. It's low octane. Yes. So, I mean, it's not really the kind of thing you're going to pound back all night. But if you would like to keep your wits about you, you know, be be sociable and drink a delicious cocktail, this is the one for you. Probably a good one if you're hosting a dinner party. Absolutely. You got to be, you know, be responsible because you got to clean up after everyone when they leave. You know, or be like or hold sloppy. someone's hair while they're <laughs> vomiting in the bathroom. Uh, and then lastly, I'll talk about this because I made it buckwheat sweet yeast bread with dried apricots. Sweet yeast. Yes. It's my nickname for you. <laughs> no, and, gross. <laughs> and walnuts. Um, Bulmer. I just pulled that out of the air. So the, the one thing that intrigued me about this book, um, and this was, we... we 
bought this book. We actually bought this too. Yeah. Um, we got it from the library, loved it so much. We bought it and then started working from it. But um, we had this before the baking book, but this one does also have some baking recipes in it. And and that was the one thing that kind of intrigued me because I know at the time we were really struggling to find some alternatives to baked breads and flatbreads and this and that. And so um, this was my attempt at like a gluten-free bread. So this bread had buckwheat flour. There was some molasses, some citrus zest, ginger. So very like autumnal flavors, cinnamon, dried apricots, walnuts. I think we put hazelnuts in instead. Yeah. And then you just throw it in a Dutch oven. The only misstep was that our Dutch oven was probably a little larger than it should have been. And so it allowed for the loaf to kind of spread out while it was baking. And so what we ended up with was this a loaf that was a little more flat than I would have preferred. I would have preferred that it stayed in a nice, tight, round, high ball. But um, it was still We could have used our oblong Dutch oven, which I think we should have. Yeah. Lesson learned. Yep. This made such good toast, too. It did, yeah. I mean, this is definitely something that you could probably enjoy as like a breakfast. Just throw some preserves or oh, whatever on there. Make a, nice, make a nice honey cinnamon butter. There you go. Mm. As an aside, our trusty Rubbermaid spatula gave up its life when I was like making this because I had to like... He was jamming the thing down in there when the blades were still running. No, not when they were running, but they were just sharp and they just like sliced up the... The, the Rubbermaid spatula blade. Oh, but, uh, see, I thought you were like no, cramming not it. that much of a dummy. <laughs> just, just, a, just a little bit of a dummy. And then, uh, you know, but thankfully I got everything out so we weren't eating any Rubbermaid spatula pieces in the bread. But we did have to order another one. But I would say, I would argue that it was worth it because this was pretty good. Mm-hmm. Did we put some peach jam on this? Uh, yeah, I think we had, a, we had a Door County jam. Yeah. That it's was coming back really good. Yep. Success. I'm looking forward to trying some more uh, baking recipes. And I am now too. And we have the companion book, the, the Bake Simple, that's packed with stuff that we can try. So we'll, we'll report back. Maybe we'll feature that Bake Simple in the future. Should we talk is, about our reviews? Is this the... No, I didn't spill wine. I was going to I thought this was the book that I spilled wine on, but it doesn't look like it. Might be coming up. Oh! <laughs> We talk about the most critical Amazon <laughs> reviews before we dive into our rankings. Uh, yes, I found a couple of them. Okay, um, you want me to start with the first one? Uh, sure. Janice Haney Cook gave it one out of five stars. She said, "Not practical. This book is beautiful. Pictures are stunning, but it's not a practical cookbook. I needed a cookbook for everyday recipes, and this isn't it." ingredients that you have to hunt for online and very expensive at that i'm very disappointed a waste of money don't buy this book if you are looking for everyday practical recipes i mean fair but i feel like maybe she bought this with false hopes because it doesn't really profess to be a everyday quick and easy recipe kind of thing well here's the thing like the gluten-free recipes like for the breads those flowers you know they can be hard to find sure but Aron um offers a tip to like if you don't need to be gluten-free she tells you how to make these recipes just using regular flour oh there you go so and the only like really hard ingredient i think 
that it's very seasonal. There's like a squash blossom. There's a a recipe with squash blossoms, uh-huh. which are like super seasonal. Yes. So very small window um, of time you but, can get those. But I get it. Like if you are not gluten free, and you're you're reading like psyllium husk, yeah, brown rice flour, buckwheat flour. You know, yeah, you're I mean, like, I, you're like, what the fuck is this? I guess we kind of take it for granted that we do live in a metropolitan area mm-hmm. and the, that stuff you can find even if you have a Whole Foods in your city or something. But but if you are in a in a rural area, um, I will concede that, yes, you will probably have to order this stuff online. Um, but I believe that's even becoming easier to find. Too. Pretty like, Well, you know, like a. I know that every single one of our chain grocery stores here will have like a flour section. Right. That have, it's mostly Bob's Red Mill, but right. you know, like you can find. It is becoming easier to find yes. though, even within the last few years. Yeah. This becomes a, a more common uh, diet for people. Um, you want to read the next one? Yes. Uh, GF Baker uh, gave it a one out of five stars. And they said, a bit disappointing. The sourdough was not great. The reason I bought the book. There might be good recipes, but the book is not formatted in a way that looks very interesting. Yeah. And I did not try the sourdough. I'm I'm still a little... I, I, I really want you to do it. I know. I got this fear of commitment for, uh, you know, doing a sourdough starter. I mean, then, maybe I'll just. That's like having a kid. Then now I'm, all of a sudden I'm responsible babysitting for a sourdough it? starter. You know, go on vacation. I got to have a neighbor like feed my sourdough starter. Uh, I don't know if I'm ready for that. I mean, you know, the neighbors that we watch their cats for. Yeah. We could, we Can could... you take care of my sourdough starter? <laughs> I think I was crazier than they already think. <laughs> All right, should we discuss our rankings? Let's start with food photography and styling. What did you have, Victoria? Okay, I gave it a five. Mm. And this this was styled and photographed by the author. Correct. All the photos had this really like lo-fi feeling to me. Mm-hmm. I don't want to say they were like hazy. Analog. Anal- there you go. Right? Thank you. Who um, needs a thesaurus? <laughs> Who needs a thesaurus? <laughs> Apparently, I do. I can't pronounce it. You're like thesaurus. <laughs> um, see my inability per- to pronounce words that I know how to pronounce. That's why we're together. <laughs> it's rubbing off on yep. you. Okay, it, it was a very neutral palette, whites, mm-hmm, grays, mm-hmm. and there were also there were also not just simply food photos. Uh, well, really interesting photos like. Hang herbs, deli containers full of stock, mm-hmm. um, preserved like the, not and, just photos of completed dishes. Yes, it was more like ingredients and 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 like hands pushing down preserved like lemons mm-hmm. to be preserved. And there were also plenty of action, like interesting, like interactive photos with food, like hands going in, being served, and it wasn't fussy. It was really uh really simple styling mm-hmm. and crumbs what have you i think there was only like one really bit like one kind of flat lay like tableau with mm-hmm. like multiple dishes and mm-hmm. glasses and stuff the linens were like natural fibers like mm-hmm. cotton linen and they make repeat appearances like i felt all the photos like really fit the spirit of the book Mm -hmm. i would agree 
What did you give it? I gave it a four. Okay. Uh, as you mentioned, photographed and styled by the author. Had kind of a cool temperature overall to it. Uh, the lighting was kind of muted, perhaps yeah. natural lighting. And it, Well, and I feel like we're so used to seeing everything like blown out. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Purposely messy. I use that in quotation marks and with the best of intentions. Uh, styling and presentation. Great use of props, many of which appear to be vintage mm-hmm. pieces or like ceramics. Uh, there's a variety of angles and shots. As you mentioned, there's like some raw ingredients. There's some more kind of lifestyle photos. Perhaps because of the natural color palette and the cool temperature, none of the photos I felt really like kind of popped Mm. off the page. Mm -hmm. I get that. Um, But the food does look delicious and accessible, so no real complaints. All right. Yeah. Design and layout. What'd you give it? I gave it a four. Okay. There's only seven chapters and they're divided. It kind of it t- takes you through like the entire day. So there's pantry staples and then it starts with breakfast, baking, lunch, dinner, a section called gathering or, you know, I guess as you would call it like entertaining. And then there's like these small indulgences, like little snacks and stuff. The pantry section in this book is actually quite useful because, you know, you're dealing with a gluten-free diet. So there are going to be some ingredients that you might not have on hand already or that you're going to have to, you know, purchase and Mm -hmm. begin using. Strangely, the edges of the pages have what appears to be a wine stain on them. (laughs) It's a really odd design choice, almost as if someone had spilled a glass of wine all over the table that this book had been sitting on. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm sloppy. (laughs) I'm a klutz. What can I say? Oh, wait. So that wasn't uh, done by the publisher? No. Oh, okay. Um... Anyway, uh, there is a, a like a recipe index in the front, which I always appreciate because then you can just kind of see at a glance like what recipes are in the book. There is a resources section in the back that primarily focuses on uh, the ceramics that were used throughout. Nice touch. I, I, I feel like that kind of stuff like starts to date the book because how likely is it maybe 5, 10, 15 years from now? those places are still going to be in business. Mm-hmm. Maybe. Who knows? Hopefully. Just an observation. Okay. Um, but yeah, what'd you have? I gave it a four as well. Okay. The paper that it's printed on is off-white. It's like kind of an eggshell. No, it's like wine-stained. Shut up. <laughs> and I feel like it, ma- it actually makes the font easier to read. The font was very bold, but I have to say the... Um, the ingredient list, uh-huh. the font was super small. Yeah. But since it was bold, it was easier to read. Sure. There were serving sizes, but no prep times. And I also kind of wonder, there's a there's a baking section, and then there's also a dessert and sweet treats. Right. I kind of feel like those could have been combined. Sure. Because, you know, the baking wasn't just bread. There were like cakes mm-hmm. and... Uh, like sweet breads kind of or like quick i guess you'd call them quick breads Mm -hmm. um so i feel like that could have been combined it didn't make a lot of sense to me to have two separate sections Mm -hmm. i really appreciated the the section about the gluten-free flours yeah because that's going to be a new thing for a lot of people who purchase this book so i agree yeah um i think that's about it the formatting was really simple yeah so I, I, I hope this doesn't come across like we're glossing over this book, but there's not a lot of extra material Mm-mm. within it. It just kind of jumps into the recipes. And 
the overall theme of this book is there's like a simplicity to it and yeah. um, i mean there in, is like an intro like an intro page ahead of each chapter right just like a little intro essay i feel like most cookbooks do that these days i think you're right listen to me and my vocal fry right now <laughs> uh degree of difficulty what'd you have for that I gave it a three Mm -hmm. just because of the nature of it. Some of the baking recipes can be time consuming and gluten-free baking is, it can be tricky, especially if you're doing breads, like you have to bake it longer because Mm -hmm. it takes longer for liquid to absorb Mm -hmm. and it can look, it can be very tricky because you look at it and you think it's done. The outside looks done, but it's not done. Mm -hmm. I just learned that with some pumpkin bread that I, that I made. That's right. Um, the recipes we made were fairly easy. Uh, the ragu one took a few hours, but it was just like simmer time. You know, you can put it on and go. But if you don't want something to take a long time, just avoid the recipe. You know, avoid the recipes from that gathering chapter. Mm-hmm. And the author also, like I mentioned before, the uh, the author gives tips on how how you can make the gluten free recipes not gluten-free if mm-hmm. if you don't need to be gluten-free. Or if you don't need to be dairy-free or vegan. Mm-hmm. Like there were alternatives in there for, yeah. you know, oh, add some cream, add some milk. Yeah. I noticed that in some of the recipes too. But I do feel like this, some of the recipes in here could be very intimidating for someone who doesn't bake or cook a lot. Sure. Would you give it? I gave it a three as well. Okay. I think there's a little something for everyone in here. Mm -hmm. We did a good job of selecting mostly easier recipes. Mm -hmm. Um, Although, you know, we we definitely wanted to try the homemade pasta from scratch. And I'm glad that was successful. You know, but that admittedly was a little more work. And I realized that that's not something you're probably going to whip up on a weekday. Right. But I don't think that this book necessarily makes that claim absolutely not. and so anyone buying it with that hope is this might not be that that book for you i'm sure there's other you know quick and easy gluten-free recipe books but i I think the degree of difficulty i will say it doesn't require any like advanced skill no but there might be some time involved with it so i think most competent home cooks could successfully make most of these dishes Mm -hmm. in here um but they're not necessarily going to be like quick. Yeah. Okay. Taste. What'd you give it? I gave it a four. Okay. I thought everything was delicious. Gluten-free pasta and the bread were much better than others that we've tried. Um, even those from retail stores where you would expect that they'd have to be uh, perfected. Yeah. Um, this food can stand alone on its own without needing like a gluten-free disclaimer. So like if I was to make this for someone, one of these dishes... I wouldn't feel the need to be like, oh, and it's gluten-free or, mm-hmm. you know, you could just make it, serve it. It just happens to be gluten-free. Right. And I think that's really successful for a book like this. I think that's about all I had. I, I really enjoyed everything. Probably a few things that we'd do a little differently, but maybe not a, a fault of the recipe, just like a choice we made. Yeah. And, you know, like I would... What about you? I gave it a five. I thought everything we made was fantastic. I was really impressed with how the pasta turned out. But is it great? Did you say it was great? Would you say it's great? Oh, of course. I wouldn't say everything's great. <laughs> You'd be like, it's great. Yep. The ragu that we made was 
rich and deeply flavored. Um, I'm really curious to try some of the other baked goods from this book. Rich and deeply flavored. Ooh, look at you, Miss Thesaurus over there. Miss Topless Thesaurus over there. <laughs> Ooh, do tell. Do go on. Shut up. <laughs> You're going to try some more baked things from this? Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Better get on that. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> anything else? <laughs> yeah, All well, right. Okay. Now we enter the gastro obscura portion of the show, exploring the weird and wonderful culinary traditions, experiences, and ingredients. Victoria, where are we going to this week? Uh, we are going to Austria to the Starkenberger beer pools. Ooh. Since we're talking about like gluten, gluten-free, you know, I've been really lamenting the fact that I cannot drink a beer. Well, they I mean, have gluten-free beer. Yeah, but nah. <laughs> yeah, but nah. Like I just want a nice <laughs> fruited sour. Gotcha. Or a pumpkin ale. Oh, I want a pumpkin ale so bad. Um, okay. <laughs> anyway, uh, we are going to Austria. It's the Starkenberger beer pools. And these are inside a 700-year-old castle that is owned by a brewer named Joseph Starkenberger. There's a spa that offers an immersive beer experience. Whoa. Uh, patrons can learn beer history, beer trivia, drink some beer, and also bathe in beer. You lost me at that. No. Okay. Here's the thing. There's seven 13-foot deep pools, and each contains about 42,000 pints of beer. And how much pee? Because you know that's going on. Gross. Yep. Um, maybe the alcohol kills kills the pea germs. Mm, okay. <laughs> um, One can hope. Right. The beer is said to be rich in vitamin in vitamins and calcium, which is soothing to the skin. Um, it's good for uh, psoriasis. Um, <laughs> Too bad drinking it's not good for psoriasis. <laughs> So you're thinking of cirrhosis. <laughs> oh, okay. It's a totally different thing, huh? Okay. Um, <laughs> so drinking it will give you cirrhosis, but soaking in it will cure your psoriasis. <laughs> right. Noted. Um, okay. So, however, these baths are kept very warm, so drinking it is not advisable. Warm beer. Uh huh. Um, the spa opened in 2005. It started when one of the fermentation tanks became or one of the fermentation pools became obsolete so they turned it into a soaking pool probably a good use for like beer that doesn't turn out too you mm. can just like dump it in the right soaking pool yeah how often do they change these out i have no idea hmm. uh the I, I need to know that before <laughs> sitting in one the castle is located in terence austria which is in western austria and a two-hour session runs you about $300. Whoa. So it's not cheap, but it's uh, much cheaper than doing a DIY version with like with the 42,000 pints of beer. I mean, if I should happen to acquire those 63,000 bottles of two-buck chuck, we could be taking like wine Ooh, baths wine baths. It might... It might do a little something to the color of your skin, <laughs> but... Um, it's the price you might have to pay. Yeah. All right. Anything else on that? I don't think so. That was a good one. Yeah. If you enjoyed the show. <laughs> I was waiting Victoria's for you. Victoria's still topless, by the way. 
I was waiting for you to tell a joke, and then I'm like, oh, yeah, yeah. close it out. Uh, okay, so if you enjoyed... the best for last. <laughs> yeah. Uh, if you enjoyed the show, please rank and review us. You can follow us on our socials. Our Instagram is at we underscore cook underscore books, and our Facebook is at we cook books. All right. I got I got a good food-related joke for you. Well, aren't per, they all food-related? <laughs> Uh, but uh, as a bonus, I think Billy Corgan would appreciate this one, too. Um, what do you get when you cross a sad fruit with a sad vegetable? A melancholy flower. All right. I, I tried. Well, it's funny because the way you said it, I was thinking melancholy flower oh, and i'm okay. like where are you getting a flower from a vegetable melancholy flower there you go <laughs> <laughs> it's all in the delivery yes it is all right <laughs> thanks for listening everyone have a fantastic week stay safe stay hungry 